Welcome to Blunt Blowing Mama podcast. I'm your host, Shanitria, and this is a podcast about all things cannabis and parenthood. Yep, I'm a mom. I got two kids. I'm 31 years old and I got a man. We've been together for over eight years and I decided I'm going to do a podcast and I'm just going to talk all about weed and being a mom. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing. That's been really great. That's been really fun. Then I started interviewing people and just some people who are doing really dope things in the cannabis industry. And I said, you know what? Next, I want to talk to you. So I put a call out on Blunt Blowing Mama's Instagram page. And I heard back from so many of you guys who were interested in being on the Blunt Blowing Mama podcast as a guest and share your story. And now this is for you guys to hear. I cannot fucking wait for you guys to hear these women, these moms, their stories. You're going to be blown away. This is so good. I'm not even going to talk anymore. Let's just get into it. Welcome to season two of Blunt Boy Mama podcast. All right. Um, My name is Shayla. Um, Online, I go by Batmom85. I'm I'm 34 years old and I'm from Temecula, California. Um, I'm not married. I'm currently engaged to be married in eight days. Um, So October 13th, we're going to be married. Um, We've been together for four years. Um, I'm, um, we have a blended family. I'm a mom of two um, biological children, but I have three bonus kids. So that's five kids total. Um, My two biological children are ages three and 13. And they're both girls. My upbringing, I came up in a pretty strict household. Um, I was raised by my grandparents. Um, I lost my my biological parents at a young age. My mom died when I was 11. And my dad died when I was 13. So um, my grandparents on my mom's side ended up um, adopting me and raising me in Temecula. Well, I was brought up um, in, in my home. Cannabis was kind was was viewed as a hardcore awful drug. So it was something that was pretty taboo and not talked about. Um, in my household, um, my grandmother's a preacher, so she's very religious, very strict. And my grandfather was a retired, retired in the Navy. So, you know, in the military, drug use is completely frowned upon. It's not something that's talked about. And um, even, um, I'm a little older, so um 34. So, you know, in 96 is when medicinal cannabis was, you know, even being talked about on the news. And um, it was just so not allowed um, in my household. So it wasn't viewed positively at all. They pretty much um, put cannabis in the same category as like heroin. It was dope. You know, there was no other name for it. You know, people that smoked weed were just completely frowned upon, shunned. It was something that was just not even talked about, um, especially considering, you know, um, how religious my grandmother is, is, um, you know, there was just no positivity concerning cannabis, weed, none of it. There was, it was just, you know, if you go down that road, you're a drug addict. There was, (laughs) there's no zero to a hundred or anything like that. So, um, cannabis use was just not allowed. It was not something that, um, 
I actually um, got to experience until I had my own life. But growing up um, as a child, I, it was just something that if I even knew a family member was doing it, I can, I was ignorant to cannabis my own um, growing up because I felt because I was taught that it was such an and hard, I, I was taught it was a hard drug. So that's how I viewed it until I became an adult and educated myself. Because before then, I just didn't know anything about it. And I just wrote it off as, yeah, that's something that bad people do. You know, it was not something I didn't really know about the medicinal value or anything like that. I just knew that it was bad because that's what I was taught. Well, I was like 18 or 19 and I went to a park with one of my friends and a guy had a joint and um, I just decided to try it. You know, I had never tried anything like it. I just wanted to see what it was like. And I actually had a really good experience, a good time laughing with friends. Um, I did kind of feel a lot of guilt and shame at first. Like, oh my God, I smoked weed because my Nana's a preacher. So everything I did, I automatically assumed I was going to hell that moment. <laughs> so, um, so I didn't really get to enjoy the experience of it. It was more like a oh my God, I have to go home. Do I look high? You know, one of those kind of experiences. So um, my first time wasn't very positive and I didn't try it again. Um, it was like, once I tried it, I, it wasn't that I hated the experience. It was, um, I didn't know what people were going to think of me for smoking weed at that time. I really cared about that. So, and it wasn't legal. So, um, I enjoyed it, but it was not, and it wasn't some, like I knew my friends, I knew I could get it, but it wasn't something that was readily available to me um, at the time. So, you know, if it was at a party, I would try it, but I wasn't like an active, I wasn't actively using cannabis after the first time I tried it. I was like, okay, this is nice. It's an option. You know, I knew that I was never going to be into like hardcore drugs or anything because um, my parents died from drug use and things like that. So um, I didn't want to mess with anything heavy. So, you know, once I tried it, I was like, I don't know. I feel guilty about this. But I ended up, you know, like I said, if it was like at a party or something, I would I was never against it. But it was not something that I was actively seeking out. I was open to it. I think just trying it the first time left me open to it. You know, um, I I didn't think it was bad anymore because I tried it. I was like, okay, well, I didn't die. This is okay, you know. But um, I, I I liked it. I was open to it, and I enjoyed the way it made me feel. I relaxed. Um, yeah. So I I didn't start. I didn't have any like negative. Um, um, like experiences with it until I got a little bit older. I, um, I think my first, my first few experiences with cannabis weren't very positive. So at first I was like, yeah, no. Um, cause I would always get really paranoid. <laughs> so, so I was like, you know, maybe this is not for me. Um, so it's kind of funny that, you know, now as you know, it's something now that I know about it and know how to use it, it's funny that it's such a huge part of my life because back then, no, I felt I felt like it was like a dirty little secret that I had that sometimes I smoked weed. And that's just how I kept it. It was something that was very closeted with me. I was not very public about it at all. You know, if, if like if I had it, you know, I was hiding 
in the back to do it and never told anyone about it. I was not, I wasn't open at all about it. Well, now, now that it's such a large part of my life, um, you know, my, a lot, the, the people that, you know, my, I talk about um, cannabis on my social media and things like that. I'm not, I'm not quiet about it because um, I use cannabis medicinally. Um, I have um, some generalized anxiety disorder, so I use cannabis medicinally. So I kind of advocate for it positively. So I started to tell people in my family that I was going to be, you know, trying cannabis. Kind of, it was kind of like a last ditch effort mental health wise. So I had to let people know what I was doing. So the the only people that I don't really talk about it with is my Nana because she's a preacher and she's still very, very adamant against cannabis use. And, you know, so I don't talk to her about it, but I'm, it's not like I hide it. I just, you know, it's not some, it's just, it's still not a very open conversation with her, but um, everybody else around me is pretty aware, you know, my, my children, my fiance. So, you know, cannabis use, I'm open in my own home, but you know, I'm, I, it's, it's one of those things. If you're having a conversation with me about it and I know that you partake in cannabis, I'll talk to you about it and we'll probably partake together, but I don't let like, you know, people at the church know that that's what I do. Unless, you know, if you follow me online, then yeah, you know, that's what I do. But it's not something that I don't, I don't openly talk about it in conversation, but I will. It's one of those things, you know, I guess it's kind of like, don't ask, don't tell in, with, in some circles of my life. But in, you know, my day to day, every day, most people know that I use cannabis. Oh, as you know what? I honestly, I, my cannabis use over the year, my views of cannabis have changed because of education and um, really learning how cannabis affected my body and which strains affected my body. Before I was kind of just trusting whoever had cannabis to give me something like, okay, I wanna get high. You know, I was just using it to kind of escape problems and to just feel good when I was, you know, younger and in my twenties, I didn't really understand, you know, how cannabis could help me and the ways that it could help me. I just knew that I could put it in my pipe and smoke it. But um, once I really got to a point where I needed it medicinally, I took it seriously. And, you know, I, um, I got my medicinal license and I, um, I went to, um, I went to the doctor and I, the, the, excuse me, the, the prescribing physician who gave me my um, medicinal license. And I just, I let him know, honestly, I'm here because I have anxiety, depression, and insomnia, and I no longer want to take medication. And I want to rely on cannabis to treat these symptoms rather than traditional pharmaceuticals. So um, I went in with that approach. So I took a week with one, like one week, I would try like a sativa cartridge and see how that affected me, you know, and I would journal it like, okay, this gave me energy or this made me sleepy. And then I took a week with like an edible. And then I spent a week with um, flour. I never really got into dabs, but I spent, you know, a week with each form and each route. And then I would try it and see how my body reacted to those in small therapeutic doses. Um, I wasn't trying to get high. I was trying to treat myself and treat these symptoms that I was having. So, you know, I learned that, you know, take Indica's at night sativas in the morning. And at first I really didn't understand hybrids and how they worked, but 
Um, I would use those kind of in the middle or if I had, you know, some some midday activities and just um, I was using it to function. And as I was learning about cannabis um, and the ways that it was helping me, I changed so much. Um, I wasn't anxious anymore. Um, When I was using um, traditional psych medication, I was pretty much taking a pill to wake up, a pill to go to sleep. I was wrecking my car. I was going through so much. I was just miserable. And I basically um, would get up and go to take my daughter. I, I basically had enough energy to like walk her up to the school, which was about a block away. And I would come back home and get in bed and put the covers up until I had to go to work. And it was, I was depressed, really depressed. And I lived my life like that with the medicine for years. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know that I was suffering from anything until I had like a complete nervous breakdown once. And that's when I was like, you know, I can't keep all of these medicines straight. I can't, you know, I'm forgetting when I was taking them. I can't function like this. And so I quit the medicine cold turkey. And then I, that's when I talked to my doctor about, um, I talked to my primary physician. I talked to um, a therapist and my family about um, using cannabis to treat um, my issues instead of using pills. And, um, and so that's how it kind of progressed. I, at first I was just, when I was young, I was just using it to party and to have a good time. But as I got older, I was using it to live. And it gave me my life back because um, I was able to find strains that made me calm and relaxed me. And I was able to, you know, want to take my kids hiking. I was able to, you know, sit still long enough to read a book or meditate, um, you know, and it made me want to tell people, you know, what changed in me because it was like I was a whole new person in the matter of months, you know, because I just had this desire to live now. And um, so that's really cannabis really helped me become just, just gave me my life back in the last, um, I would say three, four years. And it's just made me want to like shout from the rooftops. You know, I'm not saying to everybody, throw your medicine away and pick up a pipe. No, I'm just saying, you know, there are other options and this option worked for me. And, you know, I help, I started to, anybody that reaches out to me about cannabis, I talk to them online and I let them know, you know, here's what I've used and, you know, open up dialogue, go find a dispensary and explore. You know, I'm just that person to let people know that you can try other things. And that's, you know, and that's what, cause that's what helped me. So that's how, you know, cannabis became my best friend and I had to tell everybody about it basically. So that's how it grew. You know, at first it was just like a taboo, mysterious thing that I shouldn't be doing. And then it became something that once I learned about, and you know, it's a plant, it's a beautiful plant from the earth that can help a lot of people. And it really helped me. And, you know, that's where it came from. And, you know, we have a beautiful relationship now, cannabis and I. Well, with my oldest, my oldest child is 13. So I did not use cannabis with her because at the time, you know, it was, there was not even a conversation about, you know, an option to use cannabis. With my second child, um, both of my pregnancies were so high risk. My, um, um, I had high blood pressure um, with my my last pregnancy, but I did um, use cannabis to like stop nausea because I had hyperemesis. So you know I would have 
like um just like a small puff here or there but that was usually like I think I, I the entire pregnancy with my second child I probably smoked three times and it was because I had been throwing up so horribly I could I was just tired and you know it had got to a point they were giving me all these medications and I'm looking them up seeing like the awful side effects that could possibly happen and um my oldest daughter she has tetralogy of Fallot, which is um, a severe um, heart defect. And that heart defect um, happened because um, I come to find out I was, I was on a, I was on a medication that once, um, once I, I didn't find out I was pregnant with my oldest daughter until I was about eight, 10 weeks along. So I really didn't know. And as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I stopped the medication, but it was too long. Her heart had already, you know, formed. So that kind of that experience kind of like made me not want to take anything but i had such difficult pregnancies because i had pain and nausea and things like that i would have i needed medication but i was kind of opposed to what they put me on especially with my oldest because of the pain that i was in they would give me like vicodin and everything else and i was like that's not safe um so um and I had the same pains and things like that with my youngest daughter, but I just kind of went through it. I didn't want to take anything because, you know, of all of the experiences I had had with medications, I didn't want to become dependent or addicted or anything like that. So I didn't take anything. I was more, I, I'm, I started to take cannabis after my second child for postpartum and, um, yeah, anxiety after that's when I really started to get into using cannabis. Um, after my second child was born, I was trying to breastfeed and my daughter was allergic to everything. She was allergic to dairy, soy, you name it, she was allergic. She pretty much needed prescription water, so I couldn't try anything. It was, so once I, I actually had to stop breastfeeding her at when she was um, three months old. So I didn't use cannabis while breastfeeding her. The only times I did use was early pregnancy to combat the, the hyperemesis, which was just awful. So I didn't have like the best pregnancies, but I was just so happy to just be pregnant. I was just kind of like, well, you know, this is bad, but I get a human in the end. So I just kind of went with all of it. But yeah, with both of my pregnancies, they were pretty high risk and I was on bed rest. Um, so people were having to bring me things. And so, you know, I didn't really have anybody that was going to be open to bringing me cannabis while I was pregnant. And I wasn't really, it was just mostly fear and the stigma involved. It wasn't that I wasn't, edu and, and at that time, even three years ago, people were not as educated as they are now about, you know, cannabis and pregnancy. And there, um, so, you know, it just, I just didn't really see it as like, an option long term and you know my doctors you know and things like that i i kind of felt you know with the high risk situation i didn't want to take anything it wasn't just cannabis it was everything so i just kind of tried to white knuckle it through the pregnancy because you know i had so many issues so i couldn't really take anything and i didn't want to talk like i said i didn't want to I was new in my relationship with my fiance, so I really didn't, and I didn't really know his views about cannabis at the time because, you know, he was in the military and we were still learning each other. And this was, I still really wasn't 
as open about my cannabis use. So it, I didn't want to spring that on anybody like, hey, can you go run out and get me some cannabis while right now? So, you know, I just I just didn't it wasn't it just wasn't an option at the time. It wasn't I wasn't open about my use. I wasn't educated about cannabis. I just wasn't the same person that I am now about it. So it just, it was, that pregnancy was just rough. So I just, it wasn't an option at that time. So with my, the days leading up to my pregnancy with my oldest daughter, I was 21 and single, uber single. I raised my daughter alone. Um, So I, I had, um, friends and family that kind of went through my pregnancy with me. And, you know, at that time, there weren't really like pregnancy groups or things like that because, you know, it was just, it was just a different time. So I kind of went through that pregnancy alone, but with friends, my friends, my friends kind of became my family at that time and kind of cheered me on during my pregnancy. So, you know, as the milestones were there and growing, I was, I was alone for those things in 21 so I kind of didn't want to like bother my friends at that time because, you know, they were in college living their life. And I kind of felt like, you know, oh, I didn't want to bother them or scare them with what motherhood was like for me um, because I was a single mom. So, you know, and being a single mom, you kind of have you kind of feel like there's already eyes on you because you're doing this by yourself. You're alone. And, you know, I'm black. So I kind of had all of the the statistics against me. I was young, black, unmarried, and pregnant. So at that time, I just kind of felt, and I shouldn't have, but I felt a lot of shame about my situation. So I didn't really share my pregnancy like I should have. I didn't really, you know, I think I, I think I have a handful of pictures from that time. And it was just because mentally, I was so focused on trying to like, you know, have a home for us. And, um, I was like working three jobs when I was pregnant with my first daughter. Cause I wanted her to have her own room to come home to when, you know, she was born. So I worked, I really didn't get to sit there and like enjoy the moments and all of that. So with my second daughter, I did really take time to, you know, enjoy the process and enjoy, you know, the beauty of pregnancy. So I kind of, the days leading up to the first pregnancy, I was, I was on bed rest, um, from about five months on. And I had like a, um, at the time they were giving people tributylene to stop preterm labor contractions. I actually had a tributylene pump in my leg and they would have to mail out, um, medication to me weekly. And I missed the, the FedEx truck didn't come that week. And so my baby was born because the FedEx truck did not come that week to give me the medication to stop my contractions. And I was kind of like the boy who cried wolf because I'd be like, oh, this time it's coming. My baby is coming. And so I was, I was actually at my Nana's house and I was telling her and it was a Sunday and she's a preacher. So she's getting ready for church. And I'm sitting downstairs and I'm like, man, I'm having contractions. Like, this is real this time. And she's like, okay, you know, and I swear it felt like she was taking her sweet time. But we got to the hospital and my contractions were enough that, and I was, I was scheduled for an emergency C-section, 
Um, but I just didn't make it. Um, I think I made it with to 36 weeks with my oldest. And um, so I got there and I was expecting it to be another one of those crying wolf situations. They were going to give me some tributylene because, you know, just to stop the contractions and send me on my merry way. But I actually had some action going on when they checked me and they were like, no, we got to get you ready for the C-section. She's ready. And I was like, "Okay." And it was Super Bowl Sunday, 2006. So. She's my Super Bowl baby. So I was just so thrilled to have this little life. And, you know, I was so lonely um, at the time because, like I said, it was just me and my friends and, you know, when you're pregnant, you want somebody there to go through those things with you and to feel that with you. And I think that pregnancy, I enjoyed, you know, the moments leading up to the birth of my child. And I loved being pregnant with her because I was just looking forward to having this life with me. And I, you know, I was one of those people that, you know, just, I wanted a baby my whole life. So having my daughter, when I was younger like that, I wasn't in the mind state to, I didn't really, and it sounds silly, to, I didn't really think it was going to be like as difficult as it was to be a single mom. I didn't think about all the ramifications that would happen later. I was just like, I can do this. No, and, and I did, you know, I did it. I was, you know, I was working, going to school. I got, I became a nurse. I did it. You know, I, I worked very hard, but you know, that experience of being a single mom got me to I think, you know, to the mindset where I was like, you know, I wonder what it would be like to be pregnant and have a partner, you know, and go through that. So I kind of had this deep yearning to have that feeling. And so with my second, she was like, she, I, she's my surprise baby. I really was not trying to get pregnant. I wasn't trying to, <laughs> like, I was, I was actually, I had just gone through a divorce and I was finding myself, I was 31 I was 30 and fabulous. And I was, you know, living and dating and yeah. And so, um, I was dating my daughter's father and the stick turned blue and, you know, we weren't living together or anything. We were just casually dating. And, um, I let him know, you know, I'm pregnant. I found out I'm pregnant and I actually text him. I probably should have told him a better way. I text him during Monday night football. So we always joke with each other. And it was his, it was the Eagles. He's an Eagles fan. And I text him during an Eagles game. I'm pregnant. And I'm pretty sure, you know, he fell over, <laughs> but he responded back. And I was like, you know, I thought he was going to respond back negatively. And, you know, because that's what I experienced in the past. So I was just waiting for the whole, you know, bye, you know, the whole, no, but he was like, okay, well, we're going to do this. And he's like, you know, it's not going to be easy. He has three children, um, a son and two daughters. It's not like he was trying to have other children either. So we probably should have been a little bit safer, but you know, people was looking good and stuff. So, <laughs> so we call her our Netflix and chill baby. Cause we were just trying to chill and, um, you know, so we, <laughs> what well, we went through that pregnancy and I was, I, I kind of discovered pregnancy groups and Facebook groups and I met friends. And so that pregnancy, um, you know, I got to experience with a partner and see what that was like. So the days leading up to her birth, I was actually, I wasn't as frantic with my oldest daughter. I was in survival mode. So I didn't really get to 
enjoy it and, you know, um, relish the process. So, because I just wanted us, I wanted her to have everything and not notice that she did not have a dad. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but in my 21 year old mind, that's what I was like, you know, if she's got everything and, you know, she's got a mom that's got a job and she's got this and she's got that, she's not going to miss that. So I wasn't focused on kicking and milestones or nothing. I was, I was working, but with my second child, I was dating her father and learning everything about him as I was growing a piece of him inside of me. So that was kind of intense, but it ended up being the experience that I wanted because I actually got to experience, you know, positive pregnancy, like positive moments in my pregnancy, even though I had a difficult pregnancy with, you know, the physical pain and the being on bed rest and everything, I had beautiful moments during my pregnancy with my partner. So that was nice. That was I enjoyed that for my second. Okay, so that's kind of funny. I actually had a headache that day. Um, It was a Friday and I went to go get some testing done because um, my daughter, my oldest daughter's name is Brooklyn. My youngest daughter's name is Christy. So Christy, um, Brooklyn had um, Tetralogy of Fallot. So with Christy, I let um, um, my OB know and everybody that, you know, she had these issues. And so I had to get um, um, extensive ultrasounds and things like that. And on one of the ultrasounds, they thought that Christy's kidney, they thought Christy was going to have polycystic kidney disorder or polycystic kidney disease, one of them. And so they wanted to have a second look. So I went to that appointment and I had a pounding headache. I was, my headache, my head was hurting so bad. I had double vision. I was dizzy. I was pulling over to throw up. I was just, it was bad. So I decided to go to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, my blood pressure was 175 over 115. And I had noticed that I had gained a lot of weight. And I kept telling my doctor like, hey, um, I've gained 13 pounds in a week. <laughs> That's not normal. And, I, and I'm a small person. I'm 4'11". And I weighed naturally about 115. But during pregnancy, I get up there, I look like the Michelin man. So I was at, um, for my second daughter, I tipped the scales at like 189, something like that. And same with my first. So I told him, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm getting too big. It's, I was like, it hurts to walk to the restroom. And he's like, oh no, that's just part of the pregnancy. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, if it continues, you know, that's, he's like, some people gain a lot of weight toward the last few weeks of pregnancy. And I was like, all right. So I trusted that and went to the doctor and they were like, no, you need to lay down. We have to deliver this baby. Your blood pressure is way too high. And I was like, but I have to pee. And they're like, no, you can't even walk to the bathroom. We're afraid that you're going to have a stroke. And I was like, um, no, 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 no. My fiance, at the, he lived in, um, he was in the Navy at the time. So he was four hours away and we had a scheduled C-section for, um, I think our C-section was scheduled for two weeks later or something like two, three weeks later, something. So we were not expecting her. I thought it was just a headache. And once, like I said, I've one of those people that, you know, I go to the doctor, something's, you know, they just send you back home. So I really wasn't expecting this. I had my oldest daughter with me and that was it. So they were like, we have to do this C-section now. I was like, okay. I had no way of getting a hold of Chris because where he was on the island, 
he couldn't get any service because he was on an island. He had to fly out, like go by like a pole. So like it was just, it was all bad. So he was actually coming home for the weekend. So when he got home, I, I messaged him, I'm having the baby. Um, you know, it's an emergency. They're doing a C-section. I, I messaged him what was going on. So he gets home and he reads the messages. But by the time he got there, I had already had, I had my C-section. So they had to call my, my grandmother who was down this, my Nana was at Walmart about 10 minutes down the road. So Christy came into the world dramatic. I thought I had a headache. I honestly, I, I was coming home to come make some chicken tacos and go to bed. I was not planning on having a baby that day. There was literally, I had left chicken defrosting. I was not planning anything. I was planning to have a, um, my oldest daughter and I were going to have our final girls day together with just the two of us. So we were planning on watching mean girls and eating chicken tacos and doing our nails and getting ready to have the baby, you know, doing our nails and packing the bag and doing all that stuff. Well, no, we didn't get to do any of that. We had a baby. We had a new kick it buddy to introduce to the group. So it was just, it was very hectic because I'm, I'm such a procrastinator. I was not, I, you know, I was like, eh, I have a, I have a, a C-section date, you know? I don't have to worry about anything. I don't need to set up the crib or put up the stroller, nothing. I, everything was literally in their boxes. <laughs> I wasn't, I was like, okay, when Chris comes, we'll do that. We'll, we, I've got time. So yeah, never again. So I, that was like my huge lesson in procrastination and you can't plan anything, not even the birth of your baby. With both of my children, um, I'm, I have a very narrow pelvis and I've in the past had um, some fractures in my pelvis from like working out and previous injuries a long time ago. Um, so Sid, if you've ever broken your pelvis in the past or had any kinds of injuries to the pelvis, then you can't, you can't deliver vaginally. And I'm, a, I'm just a very small person stature wise. I, I have no hips, no space. So, um, yeah, there's just no way that I'm able to push out a baby. So, as much like I, it's one of those things that I always wanted, and but I'm too small. <laughs> it, you know what? I did. I had red flags, and what's messed up? I'm a nurse, <laughs> so I knew. But I kind of felt like I felt like I was complaining too much because I kept calling like, "Hey, something's wrong with me." And I honestly think a lot of doctors don't listen to black women. <laughs> when they're complaining or when they're in pain and things like that. So I think they probably thought I was just complaining because, you know, I was, I was calling a lot like, Hey, I can't sleep. Is there anything I can do? I'm, you know, and I did have a lot of pain, but it was because I was gaining weight so quickly. You know, I was hurting. I, I, I was, I called that man weeping, like, you know, and I think that they were not, they just weren't believing me. So I will not be using that doctor again if I ever had another child, but, um, I don't even know. I didn't want to switch doctors because I thought something was wrong with Christy at the time. And I didn't want to keep explaining, you know, this is what's going on with this person. And I have um, the insurance that I had through the the VA. You, I can't, I couldn't switch. You, what, the only way that you're through the VA, they will cover your, your like OB care, but they, it has to be a certain list of doctors. And that was the doctor on the list basically. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I had, he actually delivered my first child and I didn't have 
like, you know, that time I was pretty much catered to, you know, I, they, I had a nurse that was coming to my house. I had a monitor on my belly that would monitor contractions when I was having them and give me a phone call and tell me, okay, you had five contractions an hour. So I need you to lay on your side. I had, I had excellent top notch care that time. So I was kind of expecting the same thing with my second child. So I guess, and you know, he's a really popular doctor and in the town. So I kind of was like, well, kind of pacifying myself with, okay, maybe he knows best, but you know what, like now, and even listening to your podcast, you're so vocal about telling people to switch their doctor. People need to do that. I was so passive. I could have died because I didn't speak up for myself. I just was like, okay, well, yeah, this is late pregnancy. No, no, no. You should not gain 13 pounds for any reason. No, just no. And like, I remember, you know, trying to put on some flip-flops and I couldn't because my feet looked like an elephant. But I was like, am I, and, but I kept second, giving myself like second thoughts. Like, am I complaining too? Maybe I am complaining. Maybe this is normal. And you know, you see people just saying, oh, this is, you know, swelling as a part of pregnancy. So I just felt you know, I I just think he didn't take it as seriously as it was because I was like, look, my feet shouldn't feel like this. I, I could hold on to my wrist and move my hand and you could see the imprint of my hand that prompted me to go to the doctor. I had that headache for about a day and a half. And I was like, I can't I can't deal anymore. I'm just going to go to the emergency room. So I'm so glad that I just kind of told myself that's not normal. Go to the emergency room. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be dead. <laughs> You know, and like, and then after the pregnancy, I was on bed rest after my pregnancy, which is completely unusual, but they could not get my blood pressure down. Um, and it was, it was, it was just, oh man, I, I went through the most with, with going through that doc. And I, and you know, I find, cause I want, I had to, you know, I was breastfeeding, so I couldn't take the blood pressure medicine that they, and I was like, you know, so, y'all got to figure something out here because, you know, the, they couldn't give me anything. The VA doctor couldn't give me anything. I was like, come on. <laughs> but so I basically had to lay in a bed for three weeks. I couldn't be excited. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything um, until my blood pressure went down and you, I had a new baby and, you know, they wake up every two hours and uh, it was, it was a lot to heal from and healing from a C-section. And I just kind of felt like, you know, he didn't really understand, I don't know, patient care, or maybe it was kind of one of those things that maybe, maybe he was just done with doctoring. I don't know if he's at the end of his rope, but I, I will, I, I'm not going back. I should have yelped. I should have yelped. I should have gave a bad Yelp review or something, but I let my, I always let my friends know when they let, when they tell me that's their doctor, I just always tell them, you know, this is kind of maybe pick somebody, think about another option. But, and you know, I think a lot of women try to stick with the doctor out of loyalty, but you don't have to be loyal to them. They, that they're getting paid, you know, it's a job. You find the person that's going to work best for you. And I wish I would have done that now because you know, and then it's scary. It's scary for women of color because they don't listen, you know, and um, I've been reading a lot of articles about that, but I actually experienced that. And I think that, you know, having so, and my doctor, I actually, he didn't deliver my baby 
thankfully, because of the emergency that it was, I actually had a black female doctor deliver my baby for my C-section and it went great. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, yeah, mm-mm. I just, I had been going to him because he's like the popular doctor in town, but he just did not work well with my life needs, any of it. It was, it was not, a, that, mm -mm. the, the experience with like the medical side, no, no bueno, but like the overall experience of like, you know, being pregnant and being able to bring life into the world for a second time, that was awesome. But as far as like, ugh, the physical parts, not so great. So I think sometimes that kind of deters me from, you know, having another baby because I get afraid. Am I going to, you know, have those same medical issues again? Because it doesn't seem like it's getting better for Black women maternally. <laughs> so yeah, unless I, and like for me, I don't have the option of getting like a doula or having like a home birth or things like that. So um, yeah kind of bums me out because I, I, you have to be a little bit more vigilant when you know that you're high risk. So finding mm -hmm. a doctor and things like that can be tough and just an awful experience all around. But so the birthing story part was like with, with Christy, um, just her like emergence, the, like the urgency of her coming into the world was kind of sudden, but you know, the doctor that I had that day in the emergency room, she was so kind with me and she was so, you know, gentle about the situation because my doctor was not available when I was going through my emergency. And I guess it was kind of the universe's way of giving me, you know, proper care at the very end, because all I remember was my C-section doctor being amazing and caring for me so well after. And, um, because it was an emergency, she was just like, you know, I want to make it as comfortable for you as I can. So, you know, they gave my, my oldest daughter and my, um, my Nana were there. My fiance ended up coming about 20 minutes later because he got home and got all of the messages and then shot to the hospital. So, but they made everybody feel so, you know, where everyone got to be a part and see the baby and all of that. So everybody was really awesome, you know, and inclusive but the um, medical part, woo, no, no, mm -mm. <laughs> not a good, not a good experience. But he was, he was a white male doctor. And I heard your episode about white male doctors and I was like, oh my God, I had one. <laughs> and now I do not have white male doctors. I typically have women doctors and um, doctors of color. Uh, my psychiatrist is um, a man of color. Cause I needed that. I, you know, someone to understand when I say I'm going through this, this is what that means. And you know, that he was probably a better, a best, a better doctor for, you know, white women, Caucasian women with different insurance than I had. So I think, um, so I think I had now, you know, I'm, I, I stand up for myself a lot more than I medically, because you, you have a choice. And I think a lot of people don't use their medical voice and, you're so right about that. But yeah, it was a white man doctor. And I think I was just looked at as another black female patient. And I wasn't valued as anything. I wasn't valued as a patient. I was just a number. You know, I, if I've, I didn't, he never made me feel that way, like in office or anything. But you know, 
my care after, you know, when somebody calls you and tells you that, you know, they are gaining that much weight and how uncomfortable they are, you should see them. Um, both of them, I breastfed until I was unable to. Um, my oldest, she, like I said, she had tetralogy of below. So she was required to have open heart surgery when she was about four months old. And I'd always, cause I've got giant boobs. So I always joke that I think that they're terrified of them. My oldest, once she breastfed and then once she came out of anesthesia, she wouldn't latch on anymore. Like she was like fighting it like, ah, and I was like, maybe she dreamed of my boob when she was knocked out. Now she's terrified. So, <laughs> so and um, I tried to pump, but I would always, I just could never get enough for them. So I did like, I, I pumped Brooklyn with Brooklyn until she was about five months. And that's all I could do for her with Christy. She had so many allergies. Um, she was allergic to eggs, dairy, and soy. And she started getting scabs all over her body and her hair fell out because she had eczema and like eczema to the point where skin was opening and she would stop breathing. And I was, I didn't know that you know, I, I, I changed my diet, um, still affecting her. And it was, they ended up doing like a, the skin test on her back to see, you know, what she was allergic to. And they found those things out and they said it was best to give her like this hypoallergenic formula that was really, it, it smelled like rotten potatoes. It was the worst thing in the world, but I didn't use cannabis. I used cannabis after, after I stopped breastfeeding Christy, because I just could I couldn't, I couldn't do anything when I was pregnant, when I was breastfeeding her at all. And I knew that it couldn't pass toward the breast milk. It was just, like I said, just, I was going through so much with just trying to feed her. I just wasn't really thinking. And I probably should have used cannabis to calm down. And I, I just wasn't, I was under so much stress and on bet so many things happening at that time that cannabis wasn't even in my mental frame at the time. So with either, I didn't get to use while breastfeeding them, but as soon as I was done breastfeeding Christy, like I said, I think Christy, I got to breastfeed about three, three months, maybe three and a half. There was one day I was actually, she was latched onto my boob and she stopped breathing. She was having an anaphylactic reaction. And um, so I had to rush her to the hospital and they ended up keeping her. And that's when we found out all of the issues that she was having. So once she stopped breastfeeding, she started, her skin got better. And, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty intense with her, with Christy. Um, but after I used cannabis to treat for, to treat postpartum depression and anxiety, I had postpartum depression with my oldest daughter and I didn't even know it. Like I said, I was a single mom with, with my oldest daughter. So I was working and, you know, dealing with her healing from open heart surgery and everything. I didn't know that what I was experiencing was postpartum depression. I just, I didn't know who I was or what I was. I didn't really, you know, I didn't, but I knew that I wasn't okay, you know, mentally, but I didn't even know how to express that because there's so much stigma around mental illness that, you know, I didn't know that I had a problem. I think people tell, or people were telling me I had a problem that I was, that they could see that I was depressed or that I was going through it, but I was just so combative that I was trying to be like, super mom with no problems and just show the world that I could do it, that I really wasn't facing the fact that I had issues. So with my oldest, I didn't, you know, 
take care of that with my youngest. Once I started seeing the symptoms and I was already, I already had a therapist, so I knew something's not right here. And I wanted to catch it before it was an issue. And I, you know, I had, I was in a couple of cannabis mom groups and I read about different moms using it. And I was like, you know what, why don't I try that? So I actually brought it up to my therapist at one session. My fiance was with me and I told him, um, I'm thinking about trying cannabis to um, help me so that I'm not depressed. I don't, you know, and that was, that was basically, I just told him that I was, I wanted to try it just to see. I mean, you know, you can pump yourself full of medicine and people have no problem with it, but um, people, you got to have a whole family meeting when you want to smoke a plant. But yeah, <laughs> so, so I did. And I'm, I'm so thankful that I thought about even using it as an option. But like I said, it was just because I was in, I was kind of desperate and I didn't want to, I didn't want to rely on, on pharmaceuticals. I had done that in the past with not results that weren't very pleasant at all. You know, I lost my, I feel like the medicines made me, you know, I felt so detached. Like, um, they, I had no feelings. You could tell, you could, I had a dog at the time. You could tell me my dog got shot and I'd be like, well, that's unfortunate. I didn't, I wouldn't care. I didn't have, and I, I just felt like my head was a balloon that was not attached to my body and I had no feelings to it. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't live like that. And I didn't want to be back in that situation. So I was like, you know, I, I'll try anything before I go back to that. And so I let them know that, you know, I'm not using it to get high. I'm using it to, you know, combat these symptoms that I'm feeling. And I was feeling a lot of anxiety, you know, just, it seemed like I had, like, I would just think of all of the things that could go wrong with my child. <laughs> and I had never done that before. I had never been obsessed about situations. Um, and it was new. I, um, it was something, like I said, triggered immediately after the birth of Christy. I couldn't sleep because I was just so obsessed with, is she breathing? This might be my oldest had this problem. I bet this one has this one too. And so when I got to the point where I could not live with those racing thoughts, I brought it up to my physician and my, everyone, my, I call them my mental health team. I have a squad. <laughs> so, um, I brought it up to the team and it's been, it's been amazing. And I'm, I'm glad it's been three years now of cannabis use, um, solely for my mental health and, you know, treating, it started, like I said, as just treating the postpartum depression and stress and you know, motherhood stress, momness, and it ended up just helping me be a better mom in person, to be honest. Uh, no, nothing like that. No, no kinds of issues like that. Um, um, I think because it, because I think can people actually saw the cannabis make me a better mom. <laughs> they, I was actually more, um, present, um, more aware. I've, before I was able, I was kind of unable to participate in like social functions and things because I had so much anxiety. I would be afraid of, oh, I bet that mom thinks I'm this because I'm single or, you know, my own brain just praying tricks on me, thinking everybody was judging me. But after, a, you know, when I have my, when I treat myself, I'm not thinking about what anybody else thinks about me. I could care less. I am here to enjoy my baby and enjoy this time. It, cannabis helped me to be in the moment and aware and appreciative of the moments. Um, so it really helped to center me and calm me down. And I, I, I can't thank it enough. My, I'm, I'm really open about it. 
my 13 year old, um, I started using, uh, she was about eight or nine when I started like, I, I've, when I would like smoke, I, I used to smoke cigarettes. So she used to see me smoke outside. So when she would see me smoke something different, I just explained to her what it was um, on a level that she could understand. And I told her that, you know, it's medicine, it's mama's medicine. And it helps like, it's like, you know, how people take Tylenol for like a headache or something like that. I explained to her that it's a plant that you can use it many different ways. So she might see me use it this way or that way. And, you know, she didn't really have any too many questions about it. Um, as she's become school aged and you know, I talk about it on social media and things. And some of her friends, she's in middle school, so she's in eighth grade. So, you know, her friends see me talking about, you know, vape pens and things like that. And so um, she's able to educate them now that she knows about it because I've always educated her. And with my three-year-old, she sees it, but she's, I don't think she cares about it because she's three, but she knows not to touch it. She knows, you know, I have, everything is pretty, it's, it's not out and I'm not using out in the open around them. Like if they're in one room, I'm in another, like, but if they happen to go in and they see it, okay. You know, they know this is mama's medicine and that's it. It's not treated as something that's taboo. It's treated as strictly, you know, this is my medicine before I go to bed or I'm feeling a little anxious. I'm going to go medicate. You know, I don't, I don't cannabis and weed is not a bad word in my house. So it's not a bad word to my children. They probably know more about cannabis than most people because I'm always like, hey, I saw this article. I'm always sharing with them what I've learned or even your show. You know, we've been riding around in the car listening to you talk about, um, you know, other moms and things like that. So we're really open about it so that it's not something that they're scared with because I grew up not knowing and being fearful of it. Um, you know, and I think when you're fearful of it and you don't know, it makes it a lot harder. So I chose to be open about my use from the beginning. I was open about, you know, my pharmaceutical uses. You know, I had a big giant pill box in front of my oldest daughter. So to, it was just kind of a transition. I'm not using these pills anymore to treat myself. I'm going to be using cannabis. So she was old enough to understand that. And she was able to grasp that concept. And so, you know, it's funny. She has friends, you know, like now that she's in middle school and, you know, kids are doing that in middle school. Kids are smoking cannabis in middle school. And, you know, she's not, you know, actively, you know, one of those children. So, and, you know, she's like, I get so annoyed when those people are like, oh, I'm so high right now. She's like, that's not cool. It's not cool to just do it like that. That's, that's annoying. So, you know, <laughs> she's like, my mom, my mom uses cannabis and she doesn't go around saying I'm high. That's not, you don't, that's not what you do. That doesn't make you look cool. So she's that kid though. And I'm like, you can't be that kid, but, <laughs> but yeah. So there as with, I've handled it, I've handled their education with, with their age group. So, um, as it comes up, I'm just open with them. I don't hide it from them at all. Do it. My advice is to do it try everything, try all of it and try it now. Um, I get like, I honestly, I, I went to the store, the Dollar Tree and I got a dollar notebook and a pen and I wrote down how everything made me feel. That way I could look back and remember, okay, Gorilla Glue makes me happy. Let's get that, you know? And you know, it kind of becomes fun. And, um, it, and you learn something new, you know, I, um, you know, I had to learn 
you know, micro dosing and dosages because I'm a mom. And so, and to help me function. And that's what I would tell women is, you know, anything that can help you bring yourself back, try it. And cannabis helped me to find myself again after, um, rough pregnancy, after, you know, mental health issues and so many things. And just find, just, you just, you won't know how it affects you until you try it. You can hear 85 horror stories about cannabis and one guy, I tried it and I got paranoid. Okay. That was you. And that's going to be their experience, but you have to try it for yourself and see how it affects your body because everyone's, everyone's internal makeup is different. Everybody's going to react to cannabis different. So I encourage mothers to try it, to be open-minded about it. And just because you had a joint in the eighties and flipped out does not mean you're going to have something today and be awful. You might find the perfect strain for you and really, you know, experience life on a whole new level. So I, I always approach it and, you know, I talk about cannabis, like it's my best friend to people. Like you never know until you try hang out with my best friend for a day. And that's how I always tell people. I, I'm kind of like my town's Sherpa of cannabis. I will, if you, you come talk to me about it, I will get you, I will get, tell you where to go and get it. And I will help you and lead you. And that's what I kind of do on the internet too. I like to, I just, it's helped me so much. I know that it can help other people. And, um, and that's why I encourage moms to give it a try. You know, um, if people are, you know, I encourage people to, you know, just look for alternatives. You know, you don't have to stick with, you know, traditional pharmaceuticals. You can try other options. You and 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 cannabis is an is another option. And I just want people to put it on the table. And I love that, you know, people are more open to CBDs because that's and I always tell people if you're CBD and THC are cousins. They're you know they're they're all in the same plant. So they're they're friends. So if you can accept one at the dinner table, you and you can accept the other. So I always try to open the, the conversations that way. Um, just to, you know, just because it's out there now and it's so open and it is so wonderful. And so I try to just break the stigma as much as I can and let and you know, people are open to so like I said, so many pharmaceutical choices. Just try it. Just try, just just try a gram and see how it'll change you. You know, it's like a different wine choice. People are open to wine choices and open to wine suggestions. You can be open to cannabis suggestions too. I want, I want mama's, mama's needs her joint to be as, you know, as common as mama wants a glass of wine, just like a, like a lot of us. That's, that's, we just, I just want it to be normal because it's made it's made me a normal, cannabis has made me a normal mom. And I think it can help so many others. I say, if you are not judging a mom that has to take Xanax twice a day, then don't judge a mom that has to have a puff of cannabis twice a day. They are both legal. You can't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proof (laughs) that, you know, you can be a high functioning member of society and use cannabis. You know, I run, um, in addition, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm able to, you know, function and run a blog and be a mom and do all the things that because, you know, because of cannabis. And it doesn't make you a bad mom. I think it helps you to, like I said, stay in the moment and, you know, listen to Baby Shark 700 times. You know, you, you got to do that sometime. 
and cannabis helps you do that. <laughs> so, um, no, it just really, it helped it. Any, I, I, I'm not one of those judgmental moms. And I think, you know, some moms need a glass of wine to get through the day. Some moms need a Xanax to get through the day. And some moms need cannabis to get through the day. And I don't judge any of those moms for what they need to get through the day. And I don't think anybody else should either. You don't know anybody's life. And you don't know what they have to go through. And at the end of the day, I'm nobody's judge. And um, so, you know, what one mom needs to be her best, that's good for her. So I don't. and. That's and cannabis is what I needed to do my best to get to where I needed to be. And, you know, there should just be no stigma. I have seen so many canna moms, you know, in this space, really just, you know, making it and, you know, showing that this plant is helping them do their best and be their best. And, you know, more people just need to accept it and remove that stigma. If you're able to accept, you know, and joke about drinking with a group of your friends, you should be able to do the same thing with a bong. And that's just always been my, you know, everybody has their vices, quote unquote, but and I don't feel like cannabis is a vice. It's a legal medication, like I said. And like, if you don't judge somebody for taking the Tylenol, don't judge somebody for taking it. Like, you know, taking a Tylenol to take away a headache so that they can continue parenting. Don't judge the next mom for taking a puff of cannabis to, you know, relieve the stress of her life. So it's a, it's a part of my lifestyle, part of my life. So no, um, I don't see myself stopping. Maybe it went, and you know, n- no, not in the near future. But I mean, Willie Nelson is still doing it, and he's nine hundred too. So if he can do it. I can I can keep going. So, so no, I I don't see myself quitting anytime soon. I just love learning. Um, probably try different methods. Um, as I get older, maybe um, stick more to flour, or you know, um, I just go through different phases. Sometimes I'm more of a vape person, but you know, the whole scare thing going. I've kind of gone to like more natural things and like edibles, um, things like that. But no, I'm I am always going to be a friend of the flour. He does. I actually I got him into it. Um, he, before he met me, he was, um, he was in the Navy. And once he got out, I was like, well, you're out now. Let's smoke. So <laughs> we kind of went on this journey together to find out what we liked together. Um, and we lived across the street from a dispensary at one point. Um, and so every week we would just walk across the street and try something new together. So it kind of helped us bond as a couple. It gave us something fun to do every week. And, um, we still do it to this day. So it's been like, Three years since he, uh, yeah, he got out of the Navy right after our baby was born. And so I was like, well, you're out now. I can corrupt you. Let's do it. (laughs) But even before, like, he knew that I smoked um, and he didn't judge me for it. He, we learned about it together because there was things that I really didn't know. You know, like I said, I, I just knew how to use recreationally. I didn't know how to use medicinally. So we learned new things. And I send him articles and, you know, we, um, we review products together. We talk about things together. We have a great time learning about cannabis. It's not, like I said, it's we're we're, we're a can of couple. We love it. We use it. We find different strains that are great for intimacy and things like that. One strain I heard you talk about, um, I think was the wedding cake. I was like, they made it sound good. Let's try it. So, (laughs) So, you know, we, we, 
we both really enjoy it together. It's, it's, it's how we spend time. That's how we unwind together. At the end of the night, we grind up a bowl when the kids are in bed. And that's how we go to bed. You know, we have a nice indica and that's how we go to sleep. You know, it's, it's, it's great. You know, especially when, you know, cause I have been in relationships where cannabis was frowned upon in the relationship. So, you know, it's a lot easier being in a relationship with somebody that, you know, consumes with you and wants to learn about it with you and supports your education and knowledge of cannabis. So he's very supportive. So it's wonderful. It's, it's really great. Like we actually, like I said, the wedding's in a few days. So we actually have like our, our wedding bag packed of, you know, different strains and different CBD pins because I don't want to be an antsy bride. So got my bag ready. So we, we're, we're definitely a cannabis couple. Let's see. I would just say, you know, cannabis really did just, cannabis gave me my life back. And, um, you know, sometimes with anxiety, you're, I always, when I describe what it's like to people, it kind of feels like I'm in prison in my mind. Um, I can be stuck in my head over a thought, like, like just the fear of, like, like I said, it could be something as silly as the fear of making a mistake like on a paper or something, I will be like, I, I can't, I can't even try it. But, you know, take a deep breath, take a puff or two, and I can mellow out and, you know, function, you know, and that function without anxiety, function without, you know, fear. And that's important, you know, and sometimes I'm like, gosh, people, this is what normal people feel like. This is amazing. So, you know, just to have you know, the desire to want to be out there in the world functioning. That's, you know, that's some, that's, I wish that I could bottle it and pass it out to people because that just, just that feeling that, you know, just having, you know, normalcy, calm, peace, all of that because of, you know, finding um, a good, a good strain and good things that work for you. And that's what cannabis means to me is just, you know, normalcy just a good feeling, you know, I just like, I, I can't sing enough phrases about, you know, cannabis really being uh, just a wonder tool. Oh, it was, it was like my hope. So I, I wish that I could just remove the stigma from around it so that more people would, you know, being in a legal state, I have a little bit like, you know, it's a little bit more open and flexible to talk about it. So, you know, I just wish there was no stigma that we could normalize the use, you know, just like we normalize, you know, anything else. I just, I just wish that we could see that, you know, it's a plant at the end of the day, it's a plant and it's a helpful plant. And we need this plant. More people need it to just experience positivity. So that's all. Hello, I'm Shayla. I'm 35 years old. I have two wonderful girls um, and three bonus babies, two daughters and a son. And I use cannabis to help me with anxiety, depression, and insomnia. Um, So I use different strains and different methods and cannabis helps me to cope. And that doesn't make me a bad mom. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Blunt Boy Mama podcast. This is season two.
I am so happy to be bringing this to you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I can't wait for you guys to hear next week's episode, which will be airing next Thursday. Yeah. (laughs) If you like what you're hearing, then you should definitely share this podcast with a friend, with a cousin, with a family member. (laughs) And if you really feel in it, you know, if you like it, then you should leave a review on it. (laughs) If you like it, then you should leave a review on it. on Apple Podcasts. That is where you are able to rate and review this podcast if you enjoy it. I would love that. Thank you in advance if you are, which I know you are, doing that. (laughs) Also, follow Blunt Boy Mama on Instagram. Follow Blunt Boy Mama on Twitter. Follow BBM Clothing Line on Instagram, which is Blunt Blowing Mama merch. That's where you can shop it, buy it, cop it, tag me in it, tag BBM Clothing Line in it and get featured on Blunt Blowing Mama's page. Yeah, check it out. You guys are already loving it, but I love it too. So like, of course you guys are going to love it. I would not be giving y'all something that's like shit. It's not shit. It's the shit. It's dope. Some dope ass merch. So you should definitely check it out. And you can also like Blunt Blowing Mama on Facebook. You can become a Blunt Boy Mama patron by clicking the link at the top of the page on bluntboymama.com backslash podcast. Y'all, you know I'm high. (laughs) And once you do that, you'll see a link at the top of the page that says page that says click here to become a Blunt Boy Mama patron. And there you can sign up and for as little as $2 (laughs) and you can get up to three extra episodes of the podcast a month. You get shout outs here on the podcast. You will also get free merch. I mean, need I say more? You're able to communicate with me directly. Come on. So it's really, it's a good deal. And at the end of the day, you know that you're supporting a Black woman's podcast, a Black mom's podcast. And it means the world to me to have the support of the patrons that I do have. Thank you so much, you guys. And I appreciate all of you guys' support and everything and all the love and all the messages. I read them all. Um, so thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye.